This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the recent episodes I've released. There were a couple over the Easter Bank holiday. There was the one where I had a chat with former England physio Alan Smith. Going back a little further, there was the Kazakhstan episode and the one with Mark Raven about Le Tournoir. And there was also the recent review episode where we look back on the matches against San Marino, Albania and Poland. And they can all be found at 3lionspodcast.com. And there are a few more already recorded, ready to come your way soon. As some of you may remember, last year, when we were all getting ready for the European Championships, before they were postponed by 12 months, I've recorded eight episodes about England's participation in previous Euro tournaments from 1980 through to 2016. Again, they are all still available to listen to. Just go to 3 Now, as lockdown continues to ease here in England, we've made it to stage two of the government's roadmap. Pubs and restaurants can serve outside, gyms can open... Hairdressers, hurrah, uh, can open. Hopefully, it won't be long until we're able to turn those turnstiles again soon. And let's hope that we're going to be able to see England in the flesh very soon, because it's been announced that Middlesbrough's Riverside Stadium will host both pre-tournament friendlies against Austria and Romania. The Austria game takes place on Wednesday, the second of June, with kickoff at eight pm. And Romania four days later on Sunday the 6th with a 5pm kickoff. Now the last and only time the senior men have played at the Riverside Stadium was back in June 2003 when they beat Slovakia 2-1 in a Euro 2004 qualifier. Although they did play back at Middlesbrough's previous ground, Ayrson Park, quite some time ago. Both the under-21s and the Lionesses have made it their home quite recently, though. Now, with UEFA taking control of Wembley prior to the Euros, these games were always going to be on the road. And I've no issue with it being at Middlesbrough. It's going to be a nigh-on four-hour each-way drive for me, if I'm allowed to go. And with not watching England in the flesh since Kosovo away, an eight-hour round trip leads to my concerns. Although I did find it surprising that they're going to host both games. This was decided as apparently it is supporting a COVID-secure environment for the squad. As I say, at the time of recording, it's unknown if supporters will be allowed access. We're just going to have to wait and see. Now, as the deadline for UEFA's announcement for that European Championships approaches, there is still much speculation about it all. Wembley have announced that all group games will accommodate 22,500 fans, which is great. But at the moment, we still don't know who will be the lucky few to get their hands on one. I think I'll wait until everything is finalised before commenting much more on here. Uh, But I did like the statement put out by Block 109, wanting a fair and transparent process in the distribution of tickets, which I think is fair. Let's just hope this is the case. Now... On to this episode. 
A while back, I had a chat with Eddie Brimson, author of various football-related books, and it was my pleasure to hear some of his stories following England over the years. It's my pleasure to welcome author, stand-up comedian, actor, Watford, Hemel and England fan, Eddie Brimson to the Three Lions podcast. Eddie, hello. Hello, hello Russell. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm very good, Tom, mate. I'm very good. We're yeah, looking forward you. to some football coming back. Oh, so, aren't uh, we all? Aren't we all being able to get to some football? Yes. Yeah, at last. I'm really getting itchy feet now. Too. I'm, uh, I've got a club just down the road from me here and it's a lovely little setup. And on a Saturday afternoon now, I just said, what what would it be like just to wander down here and go in there? But, uh, yeah. but it's coming, it's coming again. Yeah, it looks like we're going to get the tail end of the season, isn't it? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I'm not so keen on what they've announced with the FA Cup semi-finals, not letting fans of the clubs in. That's a yeah. bit wrong after all this time, but, you know, it is what it's the FA in it. Now oh. what they are. Yeah. Author-wise, let's say you're um, like a stand-up comedian, you're an actor, but I think possibly people may relate to you more initially as an author derby days hooligans were i think one of your were they your earlier yeah, novels we, everywhere we go was the first big one wrote that and then um there was derby days england my england and then capital punishment and then uh we sort of fractured went in different directions i made i've made a couple of documentaries following england at tournaments and i did um Tigas and Ticket Touts out in France in 98, both the book and the video, and um, God Save the Team yeah. in 2000. And then in 2012, I went to Ukraine and made a film out there. Some people don't get football. I don't get those people. So um, Yeah, I, I just I just saw that earlier today, actually, and I thought, why well, haven't I seen that yet? So, yeah, I'm going to tap in on that. But um, It's yeah, a weird one. What happened is we, we made the video and... Um, Usually I go sort of guerrilla style. I do everything on my own. I go out on my own, stuff like that. Yeah. I went with a um, director and a cameraman to that one. We got some really good footage. And then at the end, FIFA sort of threatened to ban it, which for me was a golden ticket, if, you know, the film FIFA wanted to ban. But they lost their bottle and the film changed direction a bit. And then just when we released it, the uh, pro- the producer had a nervous breakdown and went, went able for like four months no. so we, kind of missed the, we just missed the boat but it's up on youtube it's free to watch i'll put it up on there and it's um it talks a lot about it's more to do with the importance of football um as well as obviously being at a tournament with england fans so uh it's it's good fun yeah well I, I remember being there in the ukraine for that one yeah we'll, we'll we'll tap onto that one in a bit i mean i must admit i'm generally not a fan of like the the hooligan sort of mm. book side of things mm. but as i've mentioned before oh over lockdown i kind of got into more books and and your two came up as you mentioned tear gas ticket touts was of 98 france 98 world cup and god save the team was about euro 2000 i mean both of those are i mean i must have rattled through those in in a space of a couple of weeks they they must have some great memories i mean you certainly met a lot of personalities on both those journeys well, that's the beauty of following England away, isn't it? The people you meet. It's um, I've met, I've made some really good mates following England, and uh, people I keep in touch with a lot. And those books, and also the first film, Tear Gas and Ticket Touts, got me quite a bit of kudos with England fans because 
they understood that I was on their side because I'm just one of them. Yeah. So I told it how it is, particularly after France in 98, what happened down on the beach in Marseille, and then coming back to England and seeing how the press had cut it to make it look totally different. And um, But I had the full video from start to finish and just showed exactly what happened. And uh, the press didn't like that. They, they got the ump about that because it just showed them up for what they what they do to England fans, or certainly did back then. Anyway, yeah. you know, they're, they're not they're not good to England fans. No, no you, for a bad angle. You were certainly in the thick of it, though, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it was a scary. The scariest part was on the way back to the, trying to get back to the room, um, because I was walking along a road on my own, and there's two other lads behind me were walking along, and one had a uh, cross St George around his waist, and then this group of fifty locals came around the corner and chased us <laughs> up the road. It's like, but that was dangerous because we, of course, you don't know where you're going. But, um, but it was an incredible trip. Marseille was a horrible place. I didn't like it at all. But the people I met on that trip and the other stuff that happens, it's just brilliant following England. And, you know, you when all that, when it, with all the grief that was going on back then, particularly in 2000 in Belgium with the police, you could literally be 50 yards away and you wouldn't know what was happening. You know, you can be sitting there having a drink and a meal outside in a cafe and you wouldn't know it was kicking off. It's just... Um, you know, people people just think it's all about that, but you know, it's not. It, there'd be twenty, forty thousand England fans travelling to tournaments out there back then, and so it's only a very few people where that's kicking off with. But uh, if no one's ever been England away, you got to go. It's incredible. Oh yeah, I mean, the amount of people that have told me that. I mean, I know obviously from experience, um, but yeah. England away is just is just something else. Mm. Um, I mean, and you're not the only one to sort of go without tickets and with no accommodation booked. I, I mean, I say that's part of the fun as well, isn't it? That's all the fun for me. Just uh, for me, is a big bit of it is uh, I've got no time whatsoever for the FA and joining <clears throat> joining the travel club to me, just giving them more money. I mean, you're probably better off. The chances of getting a ticket now are so corporate. You're probably better off buying 50 miles bars and in, in a competition than you are being a member of the England Travel Club. And so it's kind of trying, in some ways, to try and prove them wrong, which is why I like to do it that way. I, 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 can't, I can't stand the FA. They've just destroyed certain aspects of the game, you know. So, uh, yeah, and you just end up in, you just meet the most amazing people and end up in the, it just with the most brilliant conversations in bars at night and, yeah, who knows where you're going to end up? It's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, tell us about the um, the story for the the Argentina game '98. <laughs> how how you managed to wangle a ticket for that? I it mean, I, I read it and I thought, really, read that again. It was brilliant. When my mate Smurf, right, and I have to say this, I have to say this when I was out there. I, of course, England, Argentina, everyone's thinking, but the Argentinians are brilliant. The fans are brilliant, and even in the ground, they're the most intense fans I've ever come across in my life. And I was at, I was up the Argentinian end and uh, they were incredible, brilliant supporters. It was intimidating, but they, but you knew it wasn't, it was all right. You know, they were like gold dust, those tickets. And my mate Smurf, I went with my mate Smurf and he had, someone put a ticket in his hand and he checked it and then gave it him back. And I was like, what are you doing? You've had the ticket. And he was like, what, what, what? Because, mate, you had the ticket. And anyway, this guy come up to me. He wanted 300 euros. I had 100 euros. So I goes, yeah, let's have a look at it, mate. Give it here. I, I just want to check it's real. 
He gave me it. I saw it was real. I goes, there you are. And he was rolled up. I goes, there you are, mate. And giving him money. He was a local. And he opened it and it was 100 euros there. It was all I had. And he goes, oh, I get kicked off about it. And there's a load of other England there as well. And he, and he, you've only given me 100. I goes, mate, you can, it's up to you. You can take that or you try and take it back. And all these other England fans just went, it's all right, mate, you go in. We'll still look after him. And then, uh, and then I swapped that ticket. <laughs> Ticket for another bloke who wanted to be up the other end because of all what if I end up sitting up next to him in my company? Of course, yeah. But um, as it turned out, I was sitting with a, about another 20 other England fans in, in that little bit. But very, very fortunate. The most fortunate one I've ever had was in Charlois, England versus Germany. It was um it was incredible. I I'd gone into a bar of no chance of a ticket, and I've I've never not got in. Except for the only one I didn't get into was Marseille. And that's because an England fan tried to rip me off for a ticket and I wasn't prepared to do that. It really annoyed me that a fellow England fan did that. It was about 10 minutes to go. I've gone into a bar for a while. I'm not going to get a ticket here. And then I just thought, what am I doing in a bar? Still 10 minutes. So I'm walking up towards the ground and it was starting to get a bit empty because everyone was in, everyone was coming to the And it was this bloke sitting on the bonnet of this car. <laughs> really, really drunk. Pleasing. And I saw this bloke walk up to him in, in trousers and a blazer. And he just walked up and he put something in his hand. And the guy, the guy looked at it. as it's, And I saw it. And I, I ran out. I goes, hey, mate, what's that? He goes, well, that fella's just giving me a ticket. But he's probably... And I goes, let's have a look. I looked at it. saw it was real. And I goes, mate, he's giving us that's a ticket. He goes, what, what? Some fella from Trainsbury, if I remember rightly. Yeah. And, and so I've seen the geese going up. And I've ran up to him. And I go, hey, mate, mate. You got, he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Come Calm yourself down. Just walk along next to me. I goes, mate, you got... He goes, mate, just calm yourself down. Walk along. Just walk next to me. And then he pulled out. He had about five of them. And he goes, just sold... Just, he goes, here, take this. And just slipped me a ticket. And I stopped and looked at it. I looked up and he was gone. He had about five of them, this geezer. And I was like, I don't believe this. So I ran back and got the other guy. Two minutes later, we're standing in the... In, we were surrounded by loads of Germans, yeah. in, um, but it, but it was a sort of official bit, so they were, you know, it was, it was all pretty safe. But yeah, five minutes later, we're standing there watching England sing the national anthem. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't, you... could not believe it. But you know, your chance, you got to... these things happen every now and again. You know? Yeah, no, I remember your chance. Out, chances happen. Yeah, you, know? you said something like you looked up to the sky and it was like God had appeared or something. <laughs> Like, it was like this angel just appeared and then just gone, this fella. But yeah, yeah, so th- there we were. There we were. Up the end of Shearer and nutted it in. Brilliant. Brilliant. That ground. Was you at that one? No, I wasn't. But there's something about that ground that I seem to remember. There was a lot of hoo ha about Shalwa, about the fact that it was. I mean, clearly it was too small for the uh, the occasion. Mm-hmm. And there was something about it that it just, it wasn't suitable, full stop. The three-tiered stand on the far side, I was opposite that in the corner. That stand, you could just see it moving. <laughs> you could just see it moving because all oh, the England in there jumping up. And it was like, wow, the atmosphere was incredible that day. It was, it was one of those brilliant days that you sort of live for. Yeah, it was, it was a good trip, that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Belgium Euro 2000, mm-hmm. I mean, the hype before it and as well what you said in the lead up to going, because obviously there'd been, been the riots between, what's it, Arsenal, Galatasaray and previous before that where, where unfortunately the two Leeds fans were, yeah, uh, were stabbed. Yeah. I mean, Turkey, 
was unfortunately they were they were seen as the enemy and and sort of the Turkish communities in Belgium, I think you you and everyone over there were very wary of. Mm. The, the, big, the big problem in 2000 was, and it was so blatantly obvious, the Dutch police were fantastic. Mm. They, they were there, they made a presence, but they weren't in your face. And Holland being Holland, people were doing what they were doing. The second you crossed the border into Belgium, it was right, shields out, the coppers looking for it to kick off constantly. Const- everywhere you went, the coppers were like really in your face. It was really dangerous. Um, and it just showed you it's, a lot of it is to do with the policing. Because in, in Holland, there was no problems whatsoever with it. But Charlois, the coppers were properly out for it. And, um, you know, once that starts, and a few, there's always a few wanting to kick it off. Once, you know, your combination of two and it just got, yeah, it was, you had to have your wits about you. Yeah? One of the best things that I know I should have, but they deported a lot of people that day. And then after the game, it was get it was a how to get back to the port. I can't even remember what port I went to. But anyway, they, they put on a late night train. It was real cattle class. And they got as many England on it as possible. And then just as we pulled in, I think it, it must have been Calais. must have been Calais, right? But just as we pulled in, lining the um, track, it was just coppers with guns, with dogs. Yeah. And it was like, this is like World War Two, And they took, got us off, put us in this massive pen, and it was all coppers with guns just surrounded it, and we just started singing The Great Escape. It was one of the <laughs> funniest things that's ever happened on, on an England away game. But yeah, they was, get it. They just wound, just wound them up even more, you know, but it was a, it was a beautiful, it was, the humour in following England is, is brilliant sometimes. And uh, yeah, that was, that was great. I wouldn't have missed that trip for the world. You, it appears like you went backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And, and what is it you said to your wife? I'm, I'm just going out for a few hours and then you clear <laughs> off over the channel. Genuinely, when I got to, um, in France in 98, when I arrived in Marseille and we heard that this is really dangerous here and there was nowhere to get, there's no, I was on my own, there's nowhere to get an accommodation. There was a long queue for people at this accommodation desk and no one was taking English fans. And then all of a sudden something come, I let some people go, I was at the front, some people passed me, go, oh yeah, there's only two of us, well someone's got a room for two. And then someone said, oh, I've got room for five. So I was going, I was at the front, I goes, oh, does anyone else, you know, who's looking for a room? And I ended up with these two two of these guys from Gillingham, and one had actually told his missus he'd just gone down the road to get a paper. <laughs> he'd actually told her. He said, I've just, oh, just never out to get a paper, like. And then he rang her from there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then, dear. Great. I don't think I'd get away with that. I don't think I would. Uh... <laughs> no. No. I had to, yeah, I had to keep bombing back as a forwards to keep mine happy. But yeah. there you go. So, I mean, that was 2000. Did you. I mean, obviously, there was um, Japan 2002 after that. I went to that one. Did you You not fancy yeah. that one? No. The next tournament I went to uh, was 2012 after mm. that because I kind of got – I didn't go to Japan. I got I got a bit cheesed off with the attitude of the players and I just – the lack of respect that they're giving the fans here. A real turning point was when Rooney had a go at the fans when they got booed off. I just, I, I, you know. How dare you? And you hear about the fractions where certain players from certain clubs wouldn't sit with them, and you just think you do—you've got no understanding of of what people go through to follow you overseas. And so I really felt 
uh, you know, I lost a lot of respect for the players. And um, I just thought, what? I can't be bothered to spend the money on that. But then, you know, 2012 come up and I thought, well, that sounds fun. <laughs> sounds fun. So did you sort of notice a difference 12 years on between well, sort of Belgium? Well, obviously, the numbers that travelled were, were down because, the, as ever, the brilliant British press tried to scare everybody off of going. You know, so Campbell's that Panorama documentary yeah. with its shocking program. Um, Panorama full stop these days. It's, it's the agenda of it all the time. But it stopped so many people going. And the Ukrainian people were fantastic. They were absolutely fantastic. Everyone I met couldn't have been more helpful. And uh, yeah, yeah. It was, but obviously it stopped an awful lot of people going, you know. For us to be outnumbered in Kiev by Sweden fans, something like three to one or something. It was weird. But it was, again, that was a great night. Wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was literally a sea of yellow in that ground, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. What a great night. And also playing Ukraine in Donetsk. That was, that was fantastic playing them in there. You know, just that, that, that little corner that we had and just, I don't know. I, it's something about being an England fan overseas because, you know, everybody hates us, don't they? It's about saying. Yeah. But again, once the game was over, before the game, not, not a hint of anything. It was brilliant. Loved it. So, I mean, here we are, what are we, 2012, nine years on. Yeah, how mm. do you feel about England now? I know you've already mentioned like your, your love for non-league and that. What, what's the sort of thoughts for England um, I think the two games have just had with uh, Albania and um, uh, San Marino, I mean, they're getting a bit of stick, uh, but you can only beat what's in front of you. They're doing what they have to do. Yeah. I think there's a slightly, a couple of years ago, the attitude seemed to be better. It seemed like we've got a, fault of a new crop of young lads coming through. It looks like this could be really promising. But they seem to have fallen. Some of them have seemed to have fallen back into that same old. The second they play for England, they just something mentally happens to them that they're kind of better than they are, and it's all about. It's not really the team thing. And when it, that lot came through, it seemed to be they bonded more as a team, and it looked really promising. But um, they've got the talent there. There's just the players are there to do something. It, you know, it's just. Every tournament, you need a bit of luck, don't you? Yeah. You know, you just need that little bit of luck, and uh, and it could happen. Could happen. Let's hope so. That's why we go. Yeah. I mean, the, the football books there, tear gas ticket touts, God save the team. Both great books, but it's not just it's not just football books that that you write about, is it? I mean, you've got a new book out now. And- yeah, I, I got asked to write a film a few years back for Lionsgate. They, basically, they wanted a, another sort of football tear-up film. I didn't, mm. didn't want to do that. It's all been done, isn't it? Um, so I wanted to write something a bit more in-depth and uh, about about social comment, really, and a bit of politics in it. And uh, uh, there's football in it because, in, in this book, there's football in it because there's a lot about the importance of a football club and it's, it's a lot to do with nature, nurture, them and us. And passion this guy has for it. It gets quite, it's, it's a hedonistic weekend away. It starts in a mental institution, goes on this hedonistic weekend, which evolves around football. And oh, okay. then it's quite a chilling thing that happens at the end of it. But again, it's it's about violent men mm. and what drives violent men. And I wanted to sort of focus on that mental health sort of side of things. 
So, um, so yeah, there's a fair bit of football in there. Okay. And I did it. I did it as a play in Edinburgh in 2019, and it did really well. It got it got five star reviews all over the place. I just I'd never done a play before, one man play. Um, but a lot of people stay behind afterwards. This it's quite a bit about going to a game and and that bonding and that what loyalty is and trust of people around you, but also about the, the intimidation that that can bring and this showing when you arrive somewhere different and you're showing out a bit and, and what that's all about in this guy's head. It's oh, yeah. a long monologue. So it poses quite a lot of questions, okay. probably more than it answers. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if we mentioned the name of it. It's called Naughty Boy, isn't it? It's called Naughty Boy, yeah. It's called Naughty Boy. And it's out on Amazon and you can get it on Kindle or you can buy the paperback. And it's, uh, the reviews are good on Amazon as well. I'm quite happy with that. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. so, I mean, so, I'll be you... touring the play. I should, I should have been taught, I should have been on Australia at the moment doing it because it was I... out the last year of the comedy festivals, and I showcased it. And both the places, Perth and Adelaide, both wanted me to come and do the play. So, I mean, obviously, COVID has put a spanner in the works at the moment. Is that are you rearranged and all that sort of thing? Yeah, there's tour dates coming up. So I've got, so I've got a couple in Cambridge. Uh, where am I? Cambridge, Winchester, Carl Shorten, Leek. Got one up here. Um, <laughs> So yeah, there's, there's ten dates in. I can't remember where the other ones are, but uh, I'll, I, I, that'll all be on my website. Go on, then. What, what is the website? Uh, my website is um, it's Eddie Brimson. It's www.eddiebrimson, but it's Eddie with a Y. So it's E D D Y B R I M S O N dot com. And there's uh, there's bits of comedy up there. There's bits of there's look couple of clips from the play. Yeah. Uh, if people are interested in that, and you'll get a feel for the book, and uh, it might put you off. It might not. Uh, we shall find out when I when I read it. I'll uh, I'll uh, certainly give a uh, a review out there on it. Um, I mean, you're acting as well. I didn't realise that you were, were an actor as well. Uh, I I've dabbled. Right. Okay. Um, my uh, for the last twenty years, I stopped writing the football books because I, I needed to do something that basically it was down to me whether it failed or if it failed, it I couldn't blame anyone. If it went alright, that's down to me, and no one could take the credit for that. So that's why. So for twenty years, I've been doing stand up, travelling, and which has been great, travelling. But no one's really put two and two together that I went from that to that. And every now and again, I do a little, little bit of acting. Uh, but the play was the first time I properly acted something. Well, right. that's not true. I did an, I did a play a few years ago, but uh, called England Away, which was all right. It did all right. Okay. Yeah, uh, we did a little tour with that. It was just some guy. It was uh, I did it for a theatre company in Brighton. But I basically, I was playing stand up, coming on for every every fifteen minutes and doing five minutes of stand up. So it's weird. It's a weird concept, but it works. It right. works, and it brings and it pays the bills. Then who's to yeah, argue? Yeah. yeah, that's what you want. Uh, what I would urge of, of people after the, after all this is that um, I, I've I, I've really because of what. The, my nature of my business, I'm on the road all the time. I watch a lot of non-league football and uh, the pleasure I get from that now is like the pleasure I was getting following Watford in the 70s and 80s. It's, and uh, I would urge people to go and go and check their local non-league club out and and get into that because the people are brilliant and, and the enthusiasm is, you know, everyone says, oh, the biggest game of the week is Liverpool, Man United. It's not. It's the team you support, whether that's... Emil, League Town, Newcastle Town over the road there. That's the most important game. The beauty of non-league is that when you get a player, every now and again a player will come through your lot or the other lot. You'll see a player and go, that, that, he's above this. But we've had a couple of Emil have gone on 
to play professionally at Portsmouth. Um, when you get into a club at that level, rather than wanting to keep your players, you're really happy to see that go on. And you find, personally, I found my love for football again. And uh, I love, I, so go and watch your local team. Go and, yeah. go and give them some money rather than the FA. <laughs> no, and in these times, yeah, you're right. I mean, local football, they're, they're not sort of benefiting from the amount of money that Sky pump in. And so, yeah, to, to put money into local football is good. And and likewise, the arts as well, which uh, you benefit from. Yeah, we've had a struggle, but that's all coming back. It's good to get the, the diaries looking good, so we'll get there. Good we'll stuff. Get there. No, I wish, wish you all the best. And yeah, look forward to receiving the book and, and having, a, uh, having a flick through it. All right, mate. Well, let me know what you think. I'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll be waiting for your review. Eddie, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for this, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. That was a great chat. Really enjoyed that. Thanks to Eddie there. He is on social media, so you can find him at Eddie Brimson on Twitter. And the book Naughty Boy is a good read. Although as a male, I had that horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach after reading chapter six. Uh, You'll have to read that one to get that feeling, should you want it. Uh, Although chapter 19 reminds us of everything we've missed about going to watch football during this awful pandemic. And the film he mentioned, where he went to Euro 2012, I've put a link to that on Twitter. It is a good watch. Go and find it. Now, some sad news. Doug Holden was the 776th player to represent England. He was a winger. Sadly, he passed away on the 8th of April, aged 90. Doug made five appearances for England, all in 1959, whilst he was with his club, Bolton Wanderers. His debut came in a 1-0 win over Scotland and he also went on a tour of South America, taking in Brazil, Peru and Mexico. He played for Bolton from 1950 until 1962 and then he moved on to Preston North End for three years. And of course, Prince Philip was 99 years old when he died on the 9th of April. He was the president of the FA between 1955 and 1957 and of course was standing close to Her Majesty the Queen as she presented Bobby Moore with the World Cup in 1966. As always, thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. As I mentioned at the top of the show, all previous episodes are available at threelinespodcast.com and if you liked what you heard, why not tell your friends? Why not give it a review on the likes of iTunes? Plus, you can follow the podcast on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. So I'll catch you very soon. I've got more episodes in the pipeline. Take care. Stay safe. I'm off to get a haircut and a pint. Cheers. Cheers.